Come on, aren't you glad to be at church today? Come on, welcome everybody. All of those tuning in online, thank you so much for being here. Come on, church, we'll put our hands together to welcome all of our online guests today. Glad you're here. My name is Brandon Dawson, one of the pastors here, and we're kicking off a brand new series today called Encounter. Encounter. If you've got your notes, go ahead and pull those out. They're in your worship guide. We believe this is true. Uh, it's been proven that you'll remember 80% of the things you write down. We say that a lot around here. It's because oftentimes we'll say plenty of things that you'll remember that aren't great, right? That 20% is always something dumb, I said. You know what I'm saying? Uh, write down the good stuff. Write down. I believe we got a word for you that's going to be helpful for you in your faith journey, okay? We're talking about encounter, this idea of encountering the presence of God. I know if you'll read through the Bible, if you've ever done that, you'll know that anytime any person has ever experienced the presence of God, really in any way, it was always unexpected, even if it should have been expected, right? What, what do you mean, Brandon? Well, all throughout history, you see scripture saying, like the Bible even is very clear that God wants to dwell with his people. God wants to be with his people. Yet anytime God ever presented himself to his people, they were shocked, it was always an anomaly. Like it was always this <gasps> moment. Except God always said, I want to be there. You see, all the way in the beginning, in the very beginning, in the, in the Garden of Eden, the Bible reminds us that God walked with mankind, Adam and Eve, in the cool of the day. They consistently did life together. And then sin entered the world and separated us from the Father. And from, for thousands of years, because of sin in the world, and God can't be near sin, God's presence dwelled in a small place called the Holy of Holies, in a temple or in a tent. And, for, and it, took, it required very special credentials to be able to get into the presence of God. And you read, history tells us that, and, and, and the scripture tells us that in the Old Testament, the high priest, because they were human they would go into the Holy of Holies. Think about if you had this job, right? Like the Holy of Holies, the high priest, their job was to go and present sacrifices for the sin of themselves and people. And, and God was so holy that if they did not do the proper ritual, if they didn't do the proper things before they went into the Holy of Holies, literally being in the presence of God, they would drop dead. So they would wrap ropes around their waist with bells on them. And you had to go in hoping and praying you had accomplished appropriately the right thing at the right time. And uh, they knew if the bell stopped ringing... It didn't work. And they would drag their dead bodies out. And they'd bring up a new high priest. Think about being the new high priest going, hey, brother, you're up. <laughs> right? What a job. What a, not, what, a, what a scared to death, right? And here we are thousands of years later. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Reconciling all of that. Now the power of God dwells within the believer. The Bible talks about it in Jeremiah. He said, there's going to come a day, a new covenant that I'm going to write. And I will write my word, my covenant on their hearts. Now all of the power and the fullness of God dwells inside of the believer. So what does it mean for us now as followers of Jesus to have an encounter with the living God? I can tell you this, even as much as we expect it, when we really encounter, when we really are in the presence of God. It's always a, an awe moment. It's always an aha moment. It's been his desire for that from the foundations of the earth. If you've got your notes, go ahead and pull those out. Woo! Theme verse. Pull it back here. There we go. There we go. 
This is our theme verse. Acts chapter 17, verse 26 through 27 says this. From one man he created all the nations. Throughout the whole earth he decided beforehand that when they should rise and when they should fall. He determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to what? Seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. The desire of God from the foundations of the earth was that humanity, all of us, would live our lives day in and day out, doing the things that we do. Nations would rise and fall. God would set their boundaries, all of it, so that somehow, some way, we, humanity, we would find our way back to him, that we would encounter the presence of God. Now, that happens for everybody in different ways, doesn't it? Like some of us, it took, uh, it took some, a, a little bit more than the others to encounter the presence of God. Can I tell you, everything you've ever walked through, every circumstance you've ever been placed in, anything that's ever happened in your life, good, bad, indifferent, literally, it was God allowing it in a way that hopefully, some way, you would open your eyes to who he is. Everything draws us back to him. So I titled your message today, Launch Day. We're going to be talking all month long about some different ways that we can encounter God. We're going to talk about encountering God through prayer and through worship and through his word. And today, I want to talk to you, ironically, uh, about baptism. That we can encounter a living God through baptism. You go, well, why in God's name did you title the message, Launch Day? Well, listen, I've been doing uh, ministry a long time, and I've taught on baptism many, many times. And I discovered something in studying for this message. Baptism is actually a synonym of the word launch. Did you know that? It's a synonym. They mean the same thing. What? Literally, it means to submerge, to forcefully submerge something into something. So most of the time, it's, baptism is mentioned over 100 times throughout the Bible. And most of the time, it's not even in a religious sense. It's something being forcefully submerged into water or, or forcefully launched into something. And that word baptismo in the Greek is literally, they would use that word for somebody for uh, describing how somebody washed the dishes. They baptized, they submerged them in. It literally means to launch something forcefully into something. And I began to think about that. And Matt Powers, we were talking this week, and he shared with me uh, a story about Apollo 11 when we sent man to the moon back in 1969. And uh, they did all the studies and they recognized, they realized that there were over 5 million gallons of fuel to be able to get them 250,000 miles from earth to the moon. And of those 5 million gallons, the 80% of the fuel was used up in the first 60 miles. That's incredible, isn't it? 80% of the fuel. It only took 20% of their supply to get them the rest of the 250,000 miles. What am I trying to say? Well, it takes incredible energy to launch something. It took an immense amount of energy to launch a rocket into space. I pitched in high school, and I, I learned all of the mechanics of pitching from a kid all the way through school. I pitched my whole life, and I learned that the better you could store up your energy in your mechanics the harder you could launch the ball. It happens that way in football, right? They teach you how to tackle appropriately. And the better you can store up your energy in your hips, the more, the more energy, the more force that you can launch into a tackle. All of the physics work out. In order to launch something well, it takes an incredible amount 
of power and energy into anything. And then when we think about that in terms of our faith, baptism, being launched into something significant, it, it takes an immense amount of power for God to launch us into what we would call our destiny, his purpose, his plan for our life. Now, I will prerequisite, I want you to know, we don't believe that baptism is a saving act. We believe that we're saved by grace alone, by, through faith alone, the power and the blood of Jesus alone saves us. But as evangelicals and as, as followers of Jesus and the Protestant church who would believe that salvation is something, we need, we need to be baptized. I think one of the problems that we've um, uh, that we've communicated over the years as somehow over the years we've sort of belittled the value and the power of baptism. It's really not that important. Well, if it doesn't save me, maybe it's not that important. But what if I told you today that it's actually the thing that God uses after salvation to launch you into his perfect plan for your life? If you've been around here very long, you've heard us say you need to discover what it means to live your life on purpose. We know that there's lots and lots of people just going through the rat race of life, spinning your wheels. Maybe you love the Lord. Maybe you believe in the Lord. Maybe you've trusted him as Savior. But why can't I seem to find purpose and fulfillment even still on this earth? If Jesus came to give me life and life to the fullest, why is my life not full? Maybe... Maybe you're spinning your wheels, and maybe you've been attempting to figure it all out on your own. And maybe, just maybe, the Lord is using something. There is a process in his word that he declares can launch us into a better tomorrow. So I'm going to pray with you, and we're going to dive into a few options of what that looks like. What is baptism? Why is it so valuable? Why is it so important? I believe I can share that with you today, all right? So bow your heads, close your eyes, let's pray. Father, we love you. We're grateful for your word, that it's alive and breathing and for us. It inspires us, it corrects us, it challenges us, it directs us, it gives us uh, uh, steps to take in our life. And your word reminds us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that it equips us for every good work. And so, Father, today I pray that we walk out of this place equipped by your word to live a life on purpose in a way that honors you. You'll get all the glory for it in Jesus' name. Come on, we all said it? Amen. Come on, if you're taking notes, write this down. We believe... That baptism is, an, is, a, is a command from God. It's a command from God. Why is it so important? Because he commanded it. He knew that it was, come on, it's launching you into a purpose, into something greater. Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus tells his disciples of all the things he could have said. This is the moment that he's being lifted up into heaven. He's not coming back for a long time, he said. I'm going to build a place, he said. But while I'm gone, I want you to do this. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's a command. Hey, y'all, it's not a suggestion. It wasn't, it wasn't, hey, let's get it all correct. Let's get all the environment perfect. Let's make sure the water's good and warm. Let's make sure that everybody's there appropriately at the right time, at the right place. No, no, no. He said command it. Baptize them and make disciples. It was a command of God. Now, there's a few different kinds of baptisms mentioned in the Bible. Do you know that? You've got one that's baptism into Jesus, 
We see that one. That's actually what we call salvation. It's the work of God. It's the saving work of Jesus done on the cross. That's baptism into Jesus. And then what we're talking about today is what we would call baptism into the body. Baptism into the body. It's literally, um, it, is, it is a work done through water immersion baptism that puts us into the body of Christ. There's a, there's a reference in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. You want to write that down in your notes. It's not in your notes. It's extra. I'm going to read it to you, and you can, you can reference it later. It says, but the Holy Spirit has fitted us all together into one body. We have been baptized into Christ's body by the one Spirit and have all been given By the same Holy Spirit. Baptism into the body. And there's a third baptism mentioned that we'll talk about in coming weeks called the baptism into the Holy Spirit. There's a work that's done through the Holy Spirit in our lives, through the saving work of Jesus, through the work of baptism put into into motion, into the purpose in our life. It's a command by God. Now, because it's a command, you need to know that it requires an act of obedience. Write that down. It requires an act of obedience. If he commanded it, I need to walk in obedience through it. Now we see it in Matthew chapter 3 verse 16. This is a a powerful passage of scripture. Now listen to this. Before we read it, Jesus did all kinds of things. He raised the dead. He healed the sick. He multiplied food to thousands and thousands of people. He performed an immense amount of incredible mind-altering Mind-blowing miracles. But it was a simple act of obedience that caused this to happen. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice, an audible voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son who brings me great joy. This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. All of the things that Jesus did on this earth, and it was a simple act of obedience and baptism that caused the voice of God to audibly say, I'm so proud of you. It's my son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, those of you who are parents in here, you get that a little more than, other, than others who aren't parents yet. Anybody got any parents in here? Got any parents? Got any parents? Come on, raise your hand. Some of y'all, some of y'all reluctant, like, mm. As a dad, I remember the first day my son actually obeyed or my daughter actually obeyed for the first time without me having to bring correction. Come on, y'all remember those days? Anybody remember it? Like it'll never be, it's etched in my memory forever because they did it and I was like, wait a minute. They just said yes, sir, and did it. (laughs) I mean, it's a victory moment as a parent. I mean, you're just like, yes, they did it. Like, God was that for Jesus. Like, it's a moment of obedience, and they walked in it, and they did it. And the Father said, yes, they did it. You're going to bring me some? There we go. (laughs) Yes, walked in obedience, did what they were supposed to do. Here's what I've learned following Jesus and as a parent. Blessing always follows obedience. You want to write that down? Blessing will always follow obedience. With my kids, as a father, when my kids do what they're supposed to do at the right time, at the right place, it, it brings me great joy as a father. I want to bless my kids when they're walking in obedience. Now, anybody have to tell your kids four or five times to do something? Come on, you want to do the opposite of bless them. 
you want to bless them with a knuckle sandwich. You know what I'm saying? Like you want to, like it's the opposite when you got to say five or six times. It don't, but it brings great joy when they do it the first time. We got some rules in my family. I don't know about you, but we got some. And, and like some of our rules are you need to honor your mom and dad. Like that's a rule. Like we teach our kids that. Not only do we say it, we don't just say it, we model it. We try to honor one another. Our kids watch us honor one another. Now we don't always get that right. If you were to ask my kids on certain days, they'd let you know real good what the opposite of honor is because we've modeled that in the past as well. You know what I'm saying? But we, it's a model thing in our home. We teach them to, we model it to one another. We teach them to, it's a rule in our house. Hey, we don't act fools in public. If you're going to act a fool in public, I'm going to act a fool in public. And I got a lot more experience than you, so I can act a bigger fool. You know what I'm saying? Like, we've done that. Like, you've been there. Don't act a fool in public. Treat, you know, honor your parents. Never, this is a rule in our house, never, ever, ever put your parents on the spot. Anybody been there? Huh? Don't ask me something in front of people. It's always going to be a no. That's a rule in our house. Like it is. And then our, 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 our big rule in our house is we teach our kids to walk in obedience first and fast. First and fast. Like you just do it. Obey. I promise you, blessing will always follow obedience. And it's the same with the Father. It's a command that he's given, not a suggestion. And so I promise you, when you walk in obedience to any command the Father gives you in his word, you will always walk in the blessing and the favor of God. It ought not be a shock. God ought to be able to go, oh man, that that brings me great joy. It's an act of obedience. I love this one. Number three is it's a public testimony. It's a public testimony. Look at this. And the Bible tells us in Romans chapter 6, verse 4, it says, For we died and were buried with Christ by what? Baptism. Everybody say baptism, one, two, three. By baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. It is a public declaration of a brand new reality in your life. We call, we call it the wedding ring of Christianity around here. We love talking about baptism in that way. Why? Because that's what you're doing. Why, what is the, why does the Bible call Jesus the groom and the church the what? The bride. Come on, there's a relationship change when you follow Jesus as Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but when I got married, my relationship status changed. I've been married 17 years this year. And I can tell you that most people don't think about me without thinking about my wife. They don't think about her without thinking about me. As a matter of fact, my life has been, has been dwindled down to this. I am Shepherd and Isabella's father, and I am Danielle's husband. <laughs> hey, how you doing? Good. Where's your wife? Just, just, just this weekend, I, we were at a family gathering. Hadn't seen some people in a while. They walked in. They go, hey, where's Shepherd? Oh, hey, good. Good to see you, too. I'm, I've been doing great. Yeah. Like, like, they, they, like you are connected relationally through it. It's why we put on a wedding ring. Y'all, mine's tattooed on. It ain't going nowhere. Like, you know what I noticed? Like, what I've learned? That the day I got married back uh, 17 years ago, the day I got married, had I told my wife, Hey, sweetheart, this was great. It's a really nice ring. I'm going to wait about six months before I actually put it on publicly just to see if this thing works out. Y'all think that would have went well? Huh? 
We're going to wait a while. Let's just see. We're going to test it out first. If everything goes well and I think we're good with this, then we'll put the wedding ring on. No. No. There's a reason why the day you make the commitment, you put the wedding ring on. Like it is a public declaration of your relationship. And I don't know about you, but we said things like this. For, uh, for good or bad, sickness or in health, richer or poor, forsaking all others, I make a commitment. That's what salvation is. See, baptism is this public declaration that I am forsaking my old life and I am following Jesus. You're telling the world. Does that mean you don't, you're going to get it right all the time? Nope. Does that mean that sometimes you ain't going to fall back into some sort of sin? No, that ain't it at all. My wife will tell you right now, I am not perfect. Sometimes she knows a little too much that I'm not perfect. Right? But it's a commitment. It's a public declaration that I belong to someone new. Faith is a private decision that needs to be made public. I wrote this down. I wanted to read it to you. It says, if, and I said this, if at home was the only place that I clearly and confidently declared my allegiance to my wife, but I took off my ring and I acted single everywhere else I went, it'd be a bad day, wouldn't it? Come on, I want you to survey your own life right now. Come on, if at church is the only, is the only place that you resemble a follower of Jesus, something's wrong. If you're taking off that wedding ring Monday through Saturday, there's an issue. If the world doesn't know who you are emphatically connected to in your relationship, it's a problem. What does my faith look like? Have I publicly declared it? And and does the world know my relationship status with the Lord? I love this one, number four. It's a first step. It's a first step. I love this. There's lots of scripture, lots of them. I only shared a couple with you. Acts chapter 16, verse 33, it says, Even at that hour, come on, y'all, it was a late hour. It was inconvenient. It wasn't a convenient moment at all. Even at that hour, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds, and he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. Say immediately. One, two, three. Immediately. Immediately. That's a big word. 27 times in the New Testament we see the word immediately connected to baptism. Listen to this. Acts 16 verses 13 through 15. On the Sabbath we went a little way outside the city to the riverbank where we thought there might be people meeting for prayer and we sat down to speak with some women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira. A merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. What does that mean? They, they got a little bit of her story, didn't they? Tell us about yourself. They did. They talked to her and shared the gospel. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. Verse 15, she and her household were baptized. Come on, it's a first step. A first step. Crispus, the leader of the synagogue in Acts chapter 18. And everyone in his household believed in the Lord. Many others in Corinth also here uh, uh, in Corinth, also heard Paul, became believers and were baptized immediately. Immediately. Why immediately? Why does it matter? Why is it an immediate response? Because it's a celebration of a decision. It's obedience. Y'all, it does something in you. It builds momentum and brings God's favor and blessing in your life. It is a launching pad of God's grace in the believer's life. When we were married, I didn't tell my wife 
hey, I need to let this sink in. No, immediately, immediately we put the rings on. Immediately we told the world. Immediately she changed her last name. Immediately things began to look different. She moved into my house. She became my spouse, my wife. We became a unit. The two became what? There's a reason why marriage looks the way it looks all throughout history. There's a reason why it's labeled the way it's labeled and God designed it the way it was designed. Jesus said, for this reason, the two shall leave all other things and be joined together as what? One. There's a reason why he used that as the example of the gospel to the nations. Because it's one. You're made one in Christ. I'm following the Lord. It's a first step of obedience. It's telling the Lord, yes, first and fast. And it's launching you into your destiny. Last thing I'll share with you is we see it as a reflection of the heart. A reflection of the heart. Look at this passage of scripture in Acts chapter 8. It says, as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. He baptized him. It's a reflection of your heart. Let's talk about that story just a little bit. The Bible tells us that Peter was taken. He was there on the road, and he saw the carriage coming. And he happened to notice the guy was reading And he said, hey, what are you reading? God said, I'm reading this book called Isaiah, and I am confused. Anybody read the Bible, been confused before? The Bible says Philip got up, and he began to walk him through the book of Isaiah, telling him about Jesus, pointing him to Jesus. Somewhere along the way in that that short conversation, that man trusted in Jesus. He put his faith in Jesus. And I'm telling you, something supernatural happened in his heart in that moment. And he said, as he saw the water, he said, what's to stop me from going public in my faith? What's going to stop me from linking myself spiritually even to a further degree with this king you call Jesus? He's changed my life. Let me tell the world about it. Let me tell you something different. It wasn't just a simple, easy decision for this eunuch, right? Y'all, it was a lot greater implication for him to go public in his faith than any of us at this moment in time. You see, it was a life decision for him to tell the world he was going public in his faith could have meant his life. For him, a Roman, a eunuch of, of, of a different culture and whole thing, for him to go public in his faith could have lost his position, could have lost his livelihood. <clears throat> But Jesus changed his life, and it reflected in his heart. It made all the difference. He said, who's going to stop me? And I tell you, they stopped by that. They just found a puddle of water. They didn't, they didn't use a chemical kit like we use to make sure the water's just right and there's no germs or anything in it. Y'all go over here and get baptized here today. It's warm, good water. It's bath water over here. It's comfortable. We make sure, right? Like it wasn't just, let's, let's just see and we'll work it all out. It was a command from God. He walked in obedience. It was a first step of an act of faith to the king of kings who had changed his life. And y'all, it launched him into his destiny. I can tell you, maybe you're here today and that's your life. Can I tell you the first step you need to walk through in your life is a commitment to him. Father, I trust you and your son as my savior. And I'm ready to live a life on purpose that honors you. I'm going to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Listen, our band's going to come. They're going to play some music. Nothing funny or weird, I promise. We're just going to pray. 
right here in this moment, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you're tuning in online, I'm going to ask you, say this simple prayer. Holy Spirit, what do I need to do with this message? You're here today and you've been wavering. You've been questioning your, man, how do I grow stronger in my faith? And how do I, how do I discover my purpose? And I'm just spinning my wheels and I don't know where, what to do next. Well, I can tell you what to do. This is, this is your next step. It's launch day. The power of God and the fullness of Jesus through the grace and work of the Holy Spirit. Something supernatural happens when you naturally walk in obedience. Maybe you're here today, you don't have a relationship with the Father, and you would simply, you need to know what that looks like. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, y'all. That whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. He said God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. Maybe you have felt condemned. That's not God. That's not Jesus. That's an attack of the enemy. Condemnation is not from God. He said I didn't come into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Through Jesus. Jesus goes on to speak through the through Paul in the book of Romans as he wrote the letter in Romans 10 9 and 10 that if you would believe in your heart that Christ rose from the dead and confess with your mouth that he is Lord you will be saved and he goes on to talk about it Romans chapter 8 he said man I'm so glad thank you therefore there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus Today could be your day that your eternity is settled and salvation is secured in Jesus. You would simply say, Father, forgive me. I'm so sorry that I've done it in my own strength, my own ability. I'm trying to figure it out on my own. Today I recognize I need a Savior. I need a Savior. Today I know it needs to be Jesus. So, Father, forgive me. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord. And I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. I'm going to live a life on purpose from this day forward. I'm going to take a step of obedience and baptism. Father, thank you for launching me into my destiny. God, you said that you came, Jesus, to give us life and life to the fullest here and now. So, God, I accept it fully. And so, Father, I pray for all my friends today. I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. God, maybe those that have followed you but haven't obeyed you through baptism. God, I pray that you would inspire them right now. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Inspire them to take that step of obedience, knowing it's going to bring blessing in their life. God, we'll give you all the credit for it. We love you. In Jesus' name.